1: How's it going, Habs fans? We're here with episode three of the Canadians Connection podcast. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm joined by the editor-in-chief of Rock Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. How are you doing, Rick?
2: I'm doing great, Joe. Uh, glad to be here, uh, and uh, we got lots to talk about today, as usual.
1: Oh, we do. Do we ever? It's we have regular season game, a regular season game to talk about. That is. That is groundbreaking in this podcast because we have just been talking about what we think the roster is going to look like. Well, we know what the roster looked like in the first game of the season. We know what it's going to look like in the second game of the season. And uh, I think that that's the place to start because the roster is going to look a lot like the first game of the season or exactly like the first game of the season because the Canadians played pretty well, didn't they?
2: Uh, they did. Uh, I think, um, certainly from the reaction on social media, uh, fans were, um, um, pleasantly surprised, I think. Um, and uh, to the point where, where, um, I, th- I think that, um, you know, it may have, have opened the eyes of, of several of the, of, uh, the fans and, and, uh, had them looking at, at the game and the season uh, maybe a little bit differently. And I think, uh, Uh, We're going to get to that in the uh, third segment in our question of the week. Uh, And that is, are you more optimistic about the Habs season than you were in the off season? And you can go to Twitter right now and, uh, uh, or Facebook, the all Habs fan uh, page on Facebook and uh, respond to that. And then we'll be reading your replies come the uh, third segment in just a few minutes.
1: We want to hear from you. What were your thoughts? And, but I guess we'll start off with, what did we learn from this game? What were the things, because we talked about last week about the way that Montreal kind of revamped the system, the way that they were playing. And I think that that was evident in that first game because we saw a lot more, a lot more speed, a lot more attack, and, just, and the five-on-five, five, the way that they played five-on-five, five, they dominated portions of that game. I, I, am I stretching it a little bit much? Because I think that's what I saw. And it was only when the ice opened up And we saw the skill that Toronto has, the firepower, which is is heavily, (laughs) heavily outweighs the firepower of Montreal. It was only when that happened that they began to take over again. So what did we see from that first game?
2: Well, I think, yeah, you said um, uh, speed, um, pushing the pace, uh, being aggressive. Uh, as as we talked about last week uh and Brendan Gallagher saying that they're going to fly the wings and try to put pressure on the defense move them back a bit to open up the middle of the ice and give uh room for the the centers to make plays um we saw a lot of that and um you know is that uh, such a revol- revolutionary kind of uh system has has uh Claude Julien um discovered the the uh you know the secret uh well um, as mike sullivan said today when they asked him about uh the canadians uh, mike sullivan being the head coach of of the pittsburgh penguins who the canadians will face tonight um he said that that it's just the evolution of the game um just seems like the evolution of the game is that that teams are using speed um in order to create an advantage and and you know we didn't see that last year and and maybe the the uh, Claude Julien is just kind of catching up to the the, the rest of the league. Um, Sullivan said that uh, the Canadians are are young, fast. Uh, they're trying to play a pace uh, a pace game and and uh, and I think that's fair. And I think that will make up for um, the lack of p- firepower, as you mentioned that that uh, the lease have. Um, you know, the, the Canadians certainly um, um, had puck possession for a good portion of the game. Uh, they they uh, outshot the Leafs 36-26 in the game. Um, but having said that, uh, you know, Frederick Anderson was, was the busier of the goaltender's but Carey Price made far more difficult uh, saves than, than uh, Anderson. And it's said that, that um, you know, for a skilled team, for a team packed with firepower like the Leafs, uh, they don't need a ton of chances because uh, they're going to get very good chances. And, you know, yeah. with, with all the talk about speed after the game, um, all eyes were certainly on Kakenami in his first regular season game. And, and that's, that's fair. But the best player for the Canadians by far was Kerry Price. Um, and, and that's, that's not necessarily a good thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll concede there because Carey Price was called upon. I mean, you look back, I mean, the saves that stand out to me, there was one, there were two cross cross crease saves that he made one against Patrick Marlowe, the other against Josh Levo, the push on that, on that going goal going post to post they were so explosive it reminded me of of a lot of those great seasons that he had between 2014 and then just just recently as as 2017 so I guess that leads to my to my question and you might have just answered it is Carey Price back because I think that's the question that's on the mind of not only Habs fans but fans across Canada Leafs fans certainly I mean they seem to think that maybe he was back.
2: Well, I, you know, if, if, uh, for those that listened uh, last season on Habs 360, um, I was, I was kind of, um, you know, I wasn't willing to go uh, to, to lay <laughs> the entire blame of the no, season yeah. as, as most many fans were uh, on a uh, uh, carry price. I, I didn't think that, um, you know, he would make one, two, three saves, and then and then couldn't make the fourth and and people would, go, "Oh jeez, what's the matter with carry price and uh there's there's our fans phoning in right now with an answer to uh, <laughs> the question um oh man <laughs> and but i i so is he back i I think that uh part of part of carry price and and part of 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 much of the failure of of the Canadians last season was. You know, right from, from the first drop of the puck, um, they saw that, that Mark Bergevin hadn't done his job last su- uh, the, the previous summer and, and uh, yeah. hadn't given them anything, hadn't given them anything on the backhand, uh, uh, added to the scoring. Um, and I think there was, a, you know, if there was an attitude issue, it was real uh, disappointment uh, amongst the players. And I think uh, Carey Price would be uh, susceptible to that too. Uh, but as far as skill wise, I never really worried about other than, you know, his injury and, and let's acknowledge that, uh, wondering yeah. whether, whether that would affect his, his ability. Um, but those, you picked out two, uh, very good examples of the saves that he made. Um, uh, Marlo, uh, was great. And the one on label Le- was, um, was particularly, as you said, yeah showed showed that Carey Price still can do things that only Carey Price can do. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and yeah, so I mean, I think that you're right when you say that because a lot of it was unfair to pin on Carey Price because not only did they not have a great blue line last year, but I think it's fair to say that within the past, you know, you go back as to 2015-16 uh, when he lost a large portion of that season to injury. And then again last year, I think it's fair to suggest that Montreal knowing how important Carey price is mismanaged his injury by pushing him back a little bit too mm-hmm. soon. And then yeah. that led to some of the, the, the play that you're talking about where, and even you can't even, because if he say he'd make three saves and the fourth one would go in on the rebound and there'd be no one there to help him out. Uh, so with that, with that said, because you did talk about the defense core, there was a pretty interesting lineup decision that was made before that first game. And even it's going to extend to tonight's game in Pittsburgh, where we were talking earlier about the speed, the speed of not only the the forwards, but the defensemen as well. Mike Riley was a guy who stood out. And one guy that wasn't in the lineup that night in Toronto was Carl Alsner, who maybe doesn't fit that mold.
2: Boy, that was um, just an odd decision. Wasn't it? Um, yeah, I I don't know because if if you watch the the preseason as as we as as uh, we did intently, Carl um, Alsner, he was he was decent, I would say, yep. and, and with all the criticism that he had last season, I think uh, for some fans, it was kind of like, oh, he's he's okay, and and when there was uh, you know the the with more egregious examples of, of uh, mistakes in the preseason. Um, Jordy Ben looked extremely slow in the preseason. Uh Willette with his, his mental mistakes and, and Simone Dupre, who we talked about last season, you know, not quite sure what he was doing there. Carl Alsner kind of, um, I think there was a couple of games that where we said, gee, we didn't really talk about uh, Carl Alsner. And that was a good thing because, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so it was, it was an odd decision, a really odd decision. He wasn't, um, uh, he didn't have a bad preseason and certainly not, uh, when you compare him to the, the other folks. Uh, and you know, the other part of it, his, his 622 game Ironman streak. And, and, um, you know, I, I know that, that personal stats are, are not important. Um, But uh, that, that was kind of a blow. You know, you'd think that it would have to be something significant to keep him out. And when there was, when it was difficult to explain why he was indeed sitting out of the lineup, um, you know, I was surprised. And um, uh, Carl Alsner, when he was interviewed, he said, "Um, I I don't, I don't understand. I thought I played well at training camp. I was a bit surprised. Um, So, you know i i if if a player is is not meeting your expectations uh he should know that and he should also know why um but for to out of the blue sit him um i thought was was a, a curious decision and it it brought me back to um carlos wasn't i mean he was he was always, always very politically correct in the way he said it but he wasn't shy about saying last season that um, you know he was having trouble with with Claude Julian's system uh, and J J Daniel uh, that uh, it was unlike anything he had ever played in his career and um, you know we we know what happened to Max Pacioretty when he criticized Julian's system uh, I wondered if if uh, his sitting was kind of send, sending a message uh, saying listen Mister uh, we're we're getting this. <laughs> we're getting we're sending the message right up front here. There's going to be none of that this this year.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know I I won't argue with the result because I think that the first game in Toronto went about as good as you could probably expect Montreal played in Toronto on opening night. I think that they they hung with them and a lot of that to do was to do with with the speed and you know um, it, it's tough because as you mentioned, Jordy Ben didn't have a great camp. He didn't have a great preseason. And if you sit Carl Alsner and you cite that he didn't play well last year, then that's sending a message that you are then indirectly saying that Jordy Ben has played well enough to draw into the first game of the regular season in your opening night lineup, which I think is just, it's it's unfair to Carl Alsner to do that. And, you know, add to that that he did have that 600 plus game Ironman streak and then you have a guy now who is probably not too impressed with with the way that things have been handled for him and I mean he wasn't the one that signed him to a a a long-term uh 5.5 million per year dollar contract you know so it's tough
2: yeah I I it, it's it's odd it, it's it's very odd for me and um you know that there's uh it's it's a veteran um who um has pride and and obviously with his yeah. iron man streak and and that kind of message is is seen by the other the rest of the team and the um the, particularly the veterans on the team it's also noticed around the league remember that that carl alsner was a. Uh, a high-profile free agent signing for, for um, Mark Bergevin that uh, Carl Elsner had a lot of options and he had to be recruited uh, by by Shea Weber and others um, uh, to join the team. So uh, Mark Bergevin's already having trouble um, signing free agents. Uh, he said so, uh, that, uh, that a lot of the... the Um, free agents that he contacted didn't want to come to Montreal for whatever reason. That was, those were his, his words. Um, So it's, it's a, it's a bit of an odd, odd message, but we'll see how um, it goes from, from here on in, as far as, as um, you know, the play, I, I, I like the speed. Uh, I like uh, that they're trying to push the pace a bit um still not getting to the net still not getting to the middle yeah. of the ice as much as as we'd hope and honestly i didn't think the defense uh was that good or the defensive play from from the forwards uh, we saw matthew yeah. pekka just get turned inside out by austin matthews um he didn't actually matthew pekka didn't have a very good game at all um yeah. Uh, I didn't like uh, Jonathan Drouin's uh, play on on, yeah. uh, on Wednesday. He looked completely disinterested. When he did the puck, and, and of course, his uh, ill-timed uh, well, first his his bad uh, turnover, and then his ill-timed uh, uh, change that uh, that led to the overtime goal and and the loss for the Canadians.
1: That's yeah. So I was thinking about that because I was trying to go through and and look at the way that that entire thing broke down. And forgive me for for going back in time and talking about this, because this is something that I still think about. If that was Alex Galchenyuk, the (laughs) narrative not be very, very different right now, if that was Alex Galchenyuk, who changed without possession in three on three overtime against the Toronto Maple Leafs, which by the way is a very good team who you should probably not do what he did against. Uh,
2: that's an excellent point. It's an excellent point. And, uh, you know, undoubtedly the, the narrative would have, would have uh, been very different. Um, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's an excellent point. I, I, I didn't hear too much, uh, criticism of, of Duran. Um, and, and it was, to, you know, it wasn't just that play. It was, um, you know, he was certainly freewheeling on the, on the wing and, and, uh, yeah. and, and moving well. And, and, you know, that's where he belongs and, and, and looks best, but coming back into his zone and, and he just looked terrible. Like, like, all right, already right, you guys do to work and get me the puck. I'm, I'm here to, you know to 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 move the puck up the ice i i i didn't like his his play his game at all when when a lot of the other um we're seeing a lot of good things on the forecheck yeah. on the backcheck back from um and and us. uh you know when Claude Julien talks about compete level we saw it from a lot of the team uh didn't see it from Jonathan Duran on Wednesday night
1: no, and, and to your point, I saw more criticism of Arturi Lekanen than I did of Jonathan Drouin, and Lekanen scored in that game. He was one of the reasons why they were in overtime to begin with, and there was more criticism on how he defended that play than Jonathan Drouin skating very uh, nonchalantly to the bench as the Maple Leafs turned it back up the ice.
2: Well, let's, let's just put that to bed because that's yeah. just a <laughs> – an an immature uh, analysis uh, from those who are criticizing Arturi Lakinin first, as you said, um, there was two mistakes made by, by Duran, the change and the, and the turnover, but um, you know, in the zone that was Jeff Petrie cannot allow that pass across. And unfortunately Jeff Petrie was spending all of his time and all of his attention trying to direct Lekanen, who is, is an excellent defensive player. He knew where yeah. to go. He knew which man to take, even though he was, he was a step behind because of, of the bad, bad change. But uh, uh, Petrie was the one who um, was his attention was diverted uh, from where it should have been. And it was his job to pre- prevent that pass across.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be really interesting to see how they come out in uh, in their second game of the season in Pittsburgh tonight. Um, So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll head to break there now. But after the break, we're going to discuss the leadership group in Montreal and Laval. We're going to touch on both because Laval Rocket just named their leadership group for this season. So we'll touch on that when we get back. So stay with us.
0: Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, Forum Administration, Social Media Administration, Multimedia, Graphic Design, Web Development and User Support, Event Planning, and Sponsorship and Marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today.
1: And we're back here on Canadians Connection. We talked earlier about the way that the Canadians came out and played in game one, and and they did so without a captain. Their captain is obviously out until uh, until December. The captain they named was Shea Weber. But uh, before we get into that, we're going to talk about a little bit, anyways, about the Laval Rocket, because they also named their leadership group for this season. So Byron Fraze, who was named their captain last year, but – didn't play a game as the captain, was, is still going to be uh, wearing the C with the Laval Rocket. And he has alternate captains Kenny Agostino, Michael Chaput, Alexander Grenier, and Michael McCarran. So any immediate thoughts that came to your mind, Rick, when you saw that any of those guys was going to be wearing a letter this season, anyone stick out in particular?
2: Well, it's it's interesting because uh, uh, on the From the Press Box uh, podcast, uh, which appears on Tuesdays on Rocket Sports Radio, I'm with um, uh, the lead contributor to AHL Report. That's Amy Johnson. Last season, when um, when Byron Fraze was named captain for the Laval Rocket. Um, right afterwards, we had a podcast, and I said at the time, well, that, you know, that makes sense, Byron Frey's and, and his experience and a mature player, and he's unlikely to be recalled by the Canadians, so it seems like a good choice to me. And, <laughs> of course, <laughs> no sooner had I said that, uh, yeah. that he was recalled and didn't go back. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it it makes sense, uh, given the, the – um, the roster of the Canadians there's probably less of a need for a, a Byron phrase uh, type player, but, 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 um, Claude Julien likes them. Claude Julien likes that kind of lunch bucket kind of player. And uh, who yep. knows, um, but I have a sense that Byron phrase is going to be spending a lot more time uh, with the sea on his Laval rocket Jersey uh, this season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then that's, that's probably hopefully how, it all shakes out because uh, yeah, I think that if, if things go according to plan then that won't happen. And, uh, and one of the things that I was really interested by was that Michael McCarran is got an A on his sweater this year. And that was something that kind of raised an eyebrow for me. Uh, not because I don't think that he, uh, he deserves it, but because this is giving him some significant responsibility, which is something that he didn't have with Sylvain Lefebvre. So uh, is, is there anything about that 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 kind of jumps out at you?
2: Well, I I think it is interesting. I think we should point out for those that don't know that the Canadians it is, uh it it it's not a player's vote. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, um the the the, the brass uh, of Montreal, um they make a lot of decisions, um for Laval, including you know rosters and lineups and and how pe- how players practice and, uh, they're, they're a lot more hands-on than, than any other team. So uh, it's not a surprise that, uh, they make the, the leadership decisions in Lavelle. Um, it is kind of, uh, it, it was a little surprise, um, um, because Michael McCarron didn't necessarily have that stature in last year's, uh, dressing room, but, but let's acknowledge, uh, that uh, there are very very few there's there's a handful of of players left over from last year 's uh Laval rocket roster, so yeah. this is kind of um you know uh, byron Frey's aside he you know he didn't he didn 't play in Laval last year yeah um this is one of the few guys that could provide that that continuity and and um and and could could speak to a, you know, uh, what they did last year. And I think, I think for, 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 um, you know, some of the, well, uh, the majority of the team, they needed that kind of that tie to, to the first year Laval rocket. And um, out of the, out of the folks that, that are still there, I think, you know, probably Charlie Lindgren is the one who, who could uh, do that the best, but, uh, you know, it's not, it's not, not common or, or, or it's quite rare, actually, for a um, a goalie to, to have any kind of official leadership yeah. role. Of course, Char- Charlie Lindgren will be a, a leader in the in the dressing room. So I think oh, McCarron sure. was the logical choice in providing yeah. that tie to to last year.
1: And, and like you mentioned, there isn't a whole lot of guys from last year's team. And part of that is to do with something that we're going to talk about a little bit later on, which was a trade that took place earlier this week. But before we get to that, um, we talked about Shea Weber because he was named captain of the Montreal Canadiens earlier this week. He was introduced in a formal press conference where he spoke French, and that was awesome. Um, But I guess what I'm going to ask you is, uh, do you think that that was the right decision? And do you think that Shea Weber, does it make sense for him to be the Montreal
2: Canadiens captain? Well, um, I have a sense that that we we might disagree on this a little bit. <laughs> um, I I think it's fair to say that uh, among the fan base, um, there was there was a split, but it wasn't an even split. Um, there was those who were promoting Brendan Gallagher and those who were promoting Shea Weber, and I think I don't know what was the split eighty twenty in favor of Gallagher was it was it was it more than that? I mean, I
1: think it could have been. Uh, there was a lot of support for Brendan Gallagher because he's been the guy that's been around, and I mean, it's it's nothing to do with with Shea Weber, I don't think, because unless you're you're from the camp that really wishes PK Subban was still around, then in that case, it is against uh, Shea Weber, but. I think it's just it, it, it's just because he's the guy that's been there. He's he's been around. He's probably been Montreal's most consistent skater. So I don't think it's necessarily that people think it's a wrong choice. But you know, I think that generally people might have rather seen Gallagher with the C. Yeah,
2: I think that that uh, Gallagher is far more uh, gregarious. Uh, Shea Weber is. Is not seen. Although in in the press conference he was he's he was quite affable. He, he was smiles yeah. all around. He kept saying what an honor it was. Um, and and let's be honest, Shea Weber has has a great deal of leadership experience, having come yep. from Nashville where he did wear the C for a very long time. He knows what yep. it's about. Um, he has respect uh, around the league. He mm-hmm. has respect from uh, other coaches, Mike Babcock loves Shea Weber <laughs> and, and, and couldn't say enough about him and was even, you know, heaping praise on him when the, the news was uh, released that that Weber was captain. Um, and I think w- uh, where it comes down to me, I mean, I understand Brandon Gallagher's popularity. I understand it completely. Um, but here's, here's an example Um. Uh, you like Brad Marchand, you like you mm-hmm. like his his, his game. Would, yeah. would would the Boston Bruins ever name Brad Marchand as their captain?
1: I yeah, I that's a very good ne- point. The answer is
2: never, <laughs> and and never. I will say
1: that because I think that as much as they are similar in that they have the ability to draw the ire of their opponent, Gallagher is less about antics and more about i am out here to beat you and i will and i will outwork you at every turn to do it whereas brad yeah, marchand think... is more of a as we were talking about off the air the thing that he did with lars eller so yeah
2: <laughs> boy if if we if we uh if we aired um, the uh, the pre pre show uh, banter and the and the, yeah. the commercial <laughs> break banter and that now there's a show that's a good show. Yep. Um, but but I and I think you're right, and and that's a that's a that's a a, a good appraisal of, of the differences yeah. from the perspective of nhl officials is there any difference i'm telling you (laughs) from speaking to from from speaking to them there's none um the the nhl officials at least the ones i've spoken to have zero respect for brendan gallagher they they think that he's um you know he's someone who um the way he he acts around the crease and that that some of what he does and and certainly his smile and the way he mocks uh, the other team uh, could be described as antics, so I think yeah yes, yes, from a popularity standpoint uh and and to energize the and be a good narrative for the the fan base, Brandon Gallagher would have been a good choice, but we forget that there's an official role for a captain on the ice. Not only Not only in the, in the dressing room and, and speaking for the team, but on the ice, a captain has certain uh, responsibilities and certain um, things that they can do that other players cannot do, and that 's the communication with the officials and You want someone in that role who's extremely well respected by officials i 'm sorry to, to burst any bubbles. But <laughs> Brandon Gallagher has zero respect from officials NHL officials. Uh, and I think in that way, is it make a big deal? Mm, maybe. Does a call go your your way because of, you know, something your captain said? Sometimes. Is it a big deal? Maybe not. But still, that's the official role of a captain. And a Shea Weber in that role versus a Brendan Gallagher, there's no contest. Um, Shea Weber has a lot more respect around the league uh, than Brendan Gallagher does. So that's where, that's where the, that was the 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 deciding factor uh, for me and and you know you're welcome to to completely disagree with that
1: yeah and and I can't argue with any of that because that was that was all extremely uh, well said and well well pointed out um, yeah Gallagher is not the favorite of uh, NHL officials I think that that should probably be noted and I think that most people probably already know that um, but this is where I'm at because there were two different things that were said during that press conference where they introduced Shea Weber. One was Claude Julian pointing out that Shea Weber, when he was acquired and brought over, was extremely supportive of Max Pacioretty, that he was very complimentary. He did everything in his power to support uh, whatever message Max Pacioretty was trying to convey. And he did so with a lot of, a lot of respect for, for Max Pacioretty. And the second thing, is that Shea Weber was a captain at the age of 24 in Nashville. That was when he was named, he was named the captain at the age of 24. So when I look at those two things, the thing that the quote from Julian on, on how well he was, how, uh, how supportive he was of Max Pacioretty. And then the fact that he was a, ca- a very young captain to me, I think that this was a little bit of a missed opportunity, just because the way that the Montreal Canadians are going the importance of young players is going to increase year by year to the point where Yisferi Kutkaniemi is going to be a very important player on this team. But as of right now, he's not at that point and that's obviously not even worth talking about. I don't know why I brought that up, but anyways, he's an example of a young guy that's going to be more and more important. And Brendan Gallagher at the age of 26 right now is somebody that I look at who I think, whoever could have, could have been a guy to support him in the role of captain because there would be no better guy to have around. As Claude Julian said, when he came over in that trade, he could have been the guy that said, look, I was a captain, I've been there, I've done that, I've done everything that Max Pacioretty is trying to do right now and be that guy, but he wasn't. And I think that that speaks a lot about Che Weber. And to not only, not only that, but then to have the experience of being a very young captain in this league I don't think there there would have been a better resource for, for Brendan Gallagher. And, you know, maybe as a guy that wears the A, I mean, I know that that's not typically something that is, that is done when the captain is in the lineup, but could a guy in the A have the same conversations with the officials?
2: Well, they will now. I mean, one, well, yeah, I'm... but
1: yeah, the responsibility to be on Gallagher, but if, 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 shea Weber was around if you know in in January when he's back, hopefully, and you know if if Brendan Gallagher was the captain, would shea Weber be allowed to have those conversations? would that be something that is not done or
2: it's it's uh you know he he Shay Weber couldn't go over to you know that that little the officials box yeah, that's, the official, painted, yeah. thats painted that's painted. Uh, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be allowed there. No. Um, um, but, but, uh, but that's, that's, that's where the captain goes. But so I, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think, um, we're trying to, uh, create, we, we, we would be stretching things and, and, um, Occam's razor says that the best solution is off, often the simplest su- solution. And, and could we, yeah. you know, create scenarios where, where uh, Brandon Callagher could be an effective captain? Yeah, sure we can, but the simplest solution is um, Shea Weber has a ton of experience. Um, yeah. Why, why not make use of, why not make use of that? Um, I th- I think the one kind of um odd person thrown in the mix here was Paul Byron and I have I nothing against Paul Byron, um, but he's kind of your, your utility player. Um, yeah. You know, that plays in and out and up and down and, and, and all of that. But is he, you know, is he seen as, as particularly in, in the locker room or anywhere else, is he seen as, as one of those players with a big stature I, I would, I would say that Shea Weber, you know, he takes up a lot of space, not um, physically. Yes. But I mean, his, his presence, his, he, he, he commands a, a lot. And when he says something, people listen, same for Gallagher. Yeah. Uh, but does, can the same be applied to, to Paul Byron? He's more uh, um, Melbatos. He's more Birkenstocks. He's more, you know, um, Yeah. I I don't, he doesn't, seemed to fit I think it was a reward maybe for yeah. um coming out of nowhere and, and uh and and being that that good news story that, that uh Bergevin likes to talk about. Oh my my best move my my waiver <laughs> pickup and, and now he's made it all the way to, to an alternate captain. Um I I don't I I honestly can think of a half a dozen that might have been better choices than than Paul Byron. But uh, again, he's not, he's not necessarily important enough to, to criticize either, um, because he's just not that kind of player.
1: No. And, and, you know, I think he's the guy of that group. And if Gallagher was the one guy that would lead by example, I think Paul Byron would be the other one, because I think if you look at the way that if you look at the alternatives, I mean, there really isn't one on the back end. So let's just, let's just take all that away. If you look at the alternatives, I mean, you just brought back Tomas Placanich, which I think would have been a guy that I would have thought would have gotten that, uh, that look, considering he's had it before. Uh, that would be the guy, to me, that I think. But I, then I look at it, and I'm, and I'm thinking, is he going to get in very often? Like, is this going to be a, a season where we see a whole lot of Tomas Placanich? And, I mean, that's nothing against him, but the way that things are shaken out, they're icing the same lineup tonight, he's not going to get in again. So, the way that I look at it, I think Paul Byron is the best of, of the lesser evils at this point. Because if you're looking at everyone else, then when does that? When does Jonathan Drewen get introduced in that conversation? You know, when is he that guy that gets named an assistant captain for really no other reason other than them needing to have one?
2: What What would you say about Jeff Petrie, given that that he's been? I mean, he's the guy on the back end. Uh, he's the one that yeah. all the responsibility has been heaped on. Uh, I'm not necessarily, I'm, I'm not advocating for yeah. him at all, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm, it's, it's a question.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it's a fair question. Um, I think that Jeff Petrie is more than deserving of having the conversation, you know, whether or not he should have it. But I don't know if there's been enough on his end, enough strong play on his end from, you know, I don't think we've seen the best of Jeff Petrie since, since he signed that extension after the 2015 season. I don't, I think that was the last time we saw the, the Jeff Petrie that signed that contract. To be fair, when Shea Weber went down last year, he did play a little bit better than he was playing when he was in the lineup. And I don't think he played particularly poorly in the opener but yeah it's an interesting conversation to have because he's the only guy on that back end I said take everyone out of the out of the conversation but he would be the one guy on that back end that you could actually make a case for but I just don't think that there's been enough enough from him to to warrant that
2: you know who's on my list of guys to watch not this year Uh, but who will be in the leadership group soon enough for the Canadians. And that's Noah Juleson. Um, Uh, He's, he's been in a leadership role before and uh, he just, he commands respect on the ice and, and uh, in the future, uh, I expect to see a, a letter on his Jersey.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm really, I'm really big on Noah Juleson. And I, and I think, I think that he will be, A very important piece not only as a player but like you said as as a leader as time goes on so uh, after the break we're going to talk about a pair of trades that took place this week and we're going to get into the bad tweet of the week and the question of the week rick brought it up earlier are you now more optimistic about the half season than you were in the off season so after a short break we're going to get to all of that so stay with us
0: The Canadian's Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at Rocketsportsmedia.com. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhaves.net.
1: And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast. A little bit earlier in the show, we were talking about the leadership group of the Laval Rocket and Rick brought up that there wasn't a whole lot of people or a lot of players rather that were remaining from last year's team. And that would be because of a pair of trades that were made this week and uh, one of them saw a guy who was a it was a staple of the back end when healthy for the Laval Rocket last season. So those trades were as follows. Uh, Matt Terramina and Renat Valiev were dealt to Calgary for Brett Kulak. He was a left-handed defenseman, and Will Bitten was traded to Minnesota for Gustav Olofsson, another left-handed defenseman. So, Rick, we'll start with Termin and Valiev because that was the one that took. We'll start. We'll go chronologically here. That was that was a little bit of a surprising trade. Um, what were your thoughts initially, and and have they changed since?
2: Well, I think that um, you know. Brett Kulak was uh, is is a player who um, got into the, the the lineup for the Flames um, uh, for the most part all of all of the last season 71 games um, that wasn't going to happen this year uh, uh, since um, the Heat uh, the the Flames have upgraded their blue line and there there just wasn't a place for um, for Kulak so um, they trade, trade them to the Canadians and, and bring in, um, a couple of players that, you know, are are going to help their AHL affiliate and, and maybe Valley for the future. Um, um, I, 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 I don't like the, um, I didn't like the trade, particularly Terramina. Terramina um, is uh I, th- I think he's kind of an unknown amongst the Canadians uh, uh fans yeah. um his value um when uh when the 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 rocket went out and got him last year uh, larry carrier larry carrier said um to me that um terramina is the guy that always killed <laughs> killed us um oh and yeah that was that was that was saint john's the as as you <laughs> know <laughs> uh, when he played for Syracuse, um, he was, he was, yeah, he was an ice caps killer. Um, and, yep. and was in the, in the playoffs as well. Uh, when the, uh, it, the, when the first round, when, when the ice caps met, uh, Syracuse, Taramina, uh, moves the puck well, he's, uh, extremely smart and, um, last season, uh, he played 63, 62, 63 games. Uh, he had some injury issues, um, but he was still, uh, uh, I think for, well, he was, he was tops, uh, for, uh, all defensemen in terms of assists. Um, yeah. and, and I mean, that's, there was quite a group there, Sammy Niku, and, uh, uh w- who is probably the best defenseman, um, in the AHL last year in, uh, in the Winnipeg Jets franchise, uh, the playing for the Moose. Uh, he was, I think, uh, 10 points ahead of his, uh, of the next best defenseman and fourth overall in the league for assists. Uh, Matt Taramina is terrific uh, and could have helped uh, the Rocket. And, you know, we've talked uh, on the From the Press Box podcast how, how much offense the, uh, the Rocket have given up. Um, in, uh, Chris Terry and, and, Adam Cracknell not coming back. And Matt Taramina was a big part of that on the back end. And, and, um, yeah. I, they don't, they haven't replaced that. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's, I, I think that left a big hole. Renette Valiev still has some potential as, as, uh, as an NHL defenseman. Uh, we didn't get to see it because, um, you know, after he came over in the Placanics trade, he, he was injured himself um after a short debut with the canadians uh so i i understand uh the reason for the trade i understand uh wanting to do a two for one where you're where you're uh reducing uh the the contracts um mark bergevin's got himself into a you know a bit of a contract bind uh because of all the the you know the Alan and Teesdale and all those contracts he 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 yeah. dealt out uh without much <laughs> thinking to them. Um so I understand the reason behind it, but I I don't uh, I don't particularly like the move.
1: Yeah, and I and I'll I'll agree with that. And um you mentioned because for those that didn't know, I did cover the St John's ice caps in the last year of their existence. So if you didn't know that, you're gonna know that because I'm gonna bring it up quite a bit. But <laughs> In that playoff series, to your point, Matt Taramina was so killer for the for the Syracuse Crunch. He had the ice caps number every single game. He was phenomenal to the point where I remember having a, a like having an exchange with you where we we're going back and forth, just kind of sending messages. And I was saying that they're they're loading up for this year, and that was leading up to last season because Matt Taramina, Byron phrase two guys that that kicked them out in the playoffs are coming over. This was, this was going to be the time that they went for and Peter Holland who then, then they then traded for Adam Cracknell. So that was, I was just genuinely excited and it's kind of disappointing now because you look at that leadership group that we we mentioned earlier on in the show and there isn't a defenseman in that bunch. They're all forwards. And that could be something where you're making something out of nothing, but you would like to have someone back there with a bit of experience. And Matt Taramina, in terms of defensemen in the AHL, and I know not many people value that, but it is something to point out. Uh, in terms of having a guy that's been there before and a guy that has been a, a very good defenseman for many years, I don't think there's a better guy in the AHL than Matt Taramina.
2: And a perennial AHL All-Star. He was an yep. All-Star with Chris Terry last year uh, representing defenseman the Rockets. the year. That's right.
1: Yeah, so that was a that was a bit of a, a tough one for me. And then, just to top it, the next the next move that Mark Bergevin made was sending Will Bitten to Minnesota for Gustav Olafson. And uh, me, you, and Amy Johnson, who you mentioned before with the AHL report, the uh, she does a wonderful job there. She's getting her season underway tonight with the Laval Rocket. That's going to be great. But we were the three that were really on social media talking about this trade and we could not make sense of it for the life of us. Um, have you, have you, has your opinion changed at all since then?
2: Well, I, you know, it turned it over uh, every way, every way possible. And I mm. understand that, that uh, as, as, as much as we try to, to educate um, fans, I understand that that the casual fan doesn't know a Will Bitten. Uh, nope. I understand. I, I I perfectly understand that. And they're looking at somebody like Olafson, who, um, you know, has uh, had some some NHL experience and and uh, played half the season um, last year with the Wild. Uh, and and uh, they 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 see value in that more so than than the potential. Of a of a Will Bitten, but a Will Bitten. Um, it, it was funny. I talked to him at the at the draft um, in June, and and Will was there because uh, his brother was um, um, a, a, a potential drafty, draft eligible player. And and uh, he is just uh, um, talk about a genuine, positive, a leader, uh, an energy, a Gallagher kind of player. Uh, a give everything you have player um and <clears throat> when you're when when Bergevin's talking about attitude i mean there's there's he's off the charts in in terms of attitude uh effort yeah. compete level all of those things are where where he succeeds speed you know if you're looking at at speed uh like a Matthew Pekka kind of speed will bitten um is got it he's not he's not the uh, the smoothest skater but he gets to to the areas he's fearless um you know a, a, a maybe a bit undersized but fearless uh, great on the forecheck great on the backcheck we saw for uh the the team canada in in plymouth the uh for dom desham we saw he, uh, him use uh will bitten every uh, end end of the period end of the games will bitten was on the ice uh, either trying yep. to create offense or protecting a lead. Um, Will Bitten is, uh, you know, he's got the drive that's going to uh, lead him to the NHL. And and that's not to say that he doesn't um, have skill either. He's got great hands and and, yep. and a pretty good shot and, and can create a, uh, offense and did so pretty effectively with the Bulldogs. Um, so I, 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 I honestly don't understand uh, that particular trade and particularly when, um, when Olsen could have been picked up on, on waivers for free.
1: Yeah. And um, you know, I had a lot of, because I I'm very, I I'm, I'm very uh, vocal about my appreciation for Will Benton. When he was drafted, I was very excited because he looked like to me a guy like you mentioned, a little bit of Brendan Gallagher in him. And he's got a lot, I think he's got a lot of skill too. And, you know, I'm not going to say that he has more than Brendan Gallagher, but I think that there's some things that he does naturally that Brendan Gallagher just doesn't really do a whole lot. And I'm not going to, you know, go back and forth on that. But what I will say is this, I did get some responses on that where people were pointing out that he was barely point per game in junior. And to that, I'll say this. You know who wasn't barely point per game in junior, Jonathan Drewen, and it feels like I'm picking on Jonathan Drewen a little bit here today, but I'm sorry, I apologize for that. But Jonathan Drewen was not just, you know, he was way over point per game. Like he should, he should be amazing right now, shouldn't he? Because he was amazing in junior. Uh, not so much. So when you look at a guy like Will Bitten, maybe the numbers don't exactly translate. But I will tell you this with confidence, and if I'm wrong, two years, three years, four years, whatever it is, I will happily admit it. But I think that Wilburton is a guy that you win with, and the skills that he has, I think they transfer easily to, easier to the pro game than they do to the junior game. So, if uh, like I say, I will be the first to admit if I'm wrong, but I am, uh, I'm, I'm very high on Wilburton, and I think that he is going to be a very solid NHLer. So uh, I
2: think I, I think just to just to wrap that in, in a bow, just I wrap think up, yeah. that I think that um a lot of that comes from trying folks fans, uh uh casual fans trying to to scout do scouting reports by scanning the stat sheets or watching YouTube videos. Um yeah. there's there's a huge difference. Uh you yeah. don't Uh, you can't see when you're there in person, you can see his tremendous work uh, ethic. You can see his and watching him in practice. You can see his compete level. You can Mm -hmm. see his tenacity, um, you know, both in a four check or, or back check, or he's an excellent, a penalty killer. So, uh, you know, uh, there's there's a reason that that uh, scouts actually go to games and why we actually go to games at all levels yeah. and it's you can see those intangibles that may not uh, uh, come through on the stat sheet.
1: Exactly, and when we were talking, we were just it was just what a couple of weeks ago we were speaking glowingly of him as as being a guy that we wanted to see more of more preseason games because he was playing so well and and you know it's it's unfortunate that that this has happened, but uh, I think that he's going to be a guy that thrives from this, that uses that motivation, and he continues on his hockey journey and and eventually becomes a a very good NHL player. So uh, with all that said, uh, I was talking about some replies that I got on Twitter, which leads us very naturally to.
0: Listen up. It's time for some bad tweets on the Canadian's Connection.
1: Yes, it's time for bad tweets, but uh we'll just limit it to the one that Mr. Rick Stevens has picked out as the bad tweet of the week
2: well there there had to be someone didn't there I, yeah I, this this whole <laughs> this whole english French language thing is always so uh nauseating to me uh but once uh following Shay um, shea Weber's uh uh, press conference uh, where he was named captain uh this tweet comes from Peter St Habs, and he says, I believe Shea Weber spoke more French in one minute than Paceretti did in his whole time of Hab's captain my My guess is that uh that Peter is one of those subanites that uh, just hated anything that that patchetti did i I don't know that and i don't I don't care yeah. to know that uh, yeah. <laughs> but to criticize Paeretti for language now. When Pachirati had three trilingual children uh, who could speak Russian, French, and uh, and English is just is just absolutely n- silly and nonsense and and I wish people wouldn't do that. So um, that's go- That is what I nominate as the bad tweet of the week.
1: And yeah, it's it's not anything against you know Shea Weber's coming out speaking French. That was really cool. That was that was you know obviously you'd like to see somebody that immerses themselves in the, in well, where they are. So that's, that's really cool. But yeah, to your point, it was a little bit much to, uh, to drag patch into that as if he had done anything to deserve, to deserve that. And as you mentioned, he has children who speak French among other languages as well. So yeah, that was that's a bit much. That's (laughs) let's, let's relax a little bit. So, uh, I guess it's time for the question of the week. We tweeted out the question earlier before we started the show, and we've been getting responses ever since. And uh, uh, the question of the week, if you don't remember, we brought it up earlier, was, are you now more optimistic about the Habs season than you were in the offseason? And uh, we've gotten a lot of responses on Twitter, Rick. Uh, Blaine from uh, the uh, Habs Unfiltered podcast, Blaine Poppen, says, this team won't be any more likely to make the playoffs than I expected, but I am optimistic that they will play more meaningful games going into February and will actually be entertaining, which I think is a very rational way of looking at it. And uh, just a lot of that, a lot more of, of those people. We have Chris saying one game into the season, so it's hard to make a real call. But he liked what he saw. He was, they, were, they were playing with enthusiasm, and that's, that's something that's, that we didn't see a whole lot of last year. And uh, yeah, they're just seemingly a lot more optimistic people than there were last year. But uh, before we turn it over to Facebook, Amy Johnson says, no, not yet. (laughs) She says they want to, she wants to see how this team responds after they've settled into a regular hockey season grind, not pumped up on adrenaline battling their rivals on the road on opening night. It was a good performance, but needs to stand the test of time. And I think, that that is a very important thing to mention because yeah last their first game of the season was against the Toronto Maple Leafs and it was very impressive, but uh, it doesn't get any easier tonight when you're in Pittsburgh.
2: Yeah, I think that's, that's a really good point is, uh, and and follows along with, with my views that, that it's hard to measure the first game because um, most Toronto, Montreal games, Leafs, Canadians games are competitive. It's just because of the yeah. rivalry. So it's hard to get a, an unvarnished kind of view of, of have things changed. Can I be more optimistic when you're going against the... Plus you have the emotion and the adrenaline of, of opening night. Um, yeah. So the opening night, the rivalry thing, uh, if if uh, I understand that that the possession game uh, and the speed was was impressive, but um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Canadians had to had to rely on Carey Price. The defense uh, they didn't look terribly good in their own zone. Um, so I I I yeah I, I I like all the enthusiasm or the the, the change. Uh, I think too mm-hmm. part of it is is the season ended quite low last year, uh, and and now we're jumping up to. Gee we're optimistic again, so I, I just kind of yeah. caution that a bit and, and tamp that down and say let's let's give it some time um, yep. on uh, Facebook you mentioned uh, the all Habs fan page on on Facebook we have um, Jason Froard he says no, this is exactly what I expected um, so he I think he wow. had uh, good expectations going in
0: okay
2: uh, Ben Sears says, I prefer to wait 10 games before commenting. Uh, But yes, they played a plucky game against the Leafs, but it was the first game, and that's how they they traditionally go up against their rivals. Um, Randy Houle says, I think Kokanemi is a game changer for the Habs. Uh, It's what the Habs have been missing. Um, And Sheldon Weisberg says, this team has shown that it will win more games than it will lose. I don't know about that, Sheldon. Yeah, um, yeah. If they somehow miraculously pull a Vegas, so be it. I've seen these comparisons to Vegas, and and I I I don't know about that. I'd be careful <laughs> ab- about those kind of comparisons. Uh, but we appreciate all your comments yeah. on uh, the All Habs fan page on Facebook and and also on uh, on Twitter as well.
1: Yeah, we we really want to hear from you, so. Continue to comment, to reply on those, on those posts, on Facebook, on Twitter Uh, at Habs connection, obviously is the, uh, but uh, yeah, so you can, you can keep tweeting us in. I'll be retweeting them as I get them. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting question. It's a, and, and I guess we'll get a better view of it tonight because as uh, we mentioned, they're playing in Pittsburgh, so it only gets more difficult. Uh, So It'll be a very good view of if they can actually sustain the way that they played, or if maybe that was just an opening night mirage of of adrenaline and and uh and whatnot. So that'll be very interesting to see. So uh anything else you want to get to, Rick, before we uh before we end the show?
2: Well, we're gonna have part of our team uh at the game tonight. Uh yes, we will. Lewis and Gibby from the habilism podcast are gonna be on site at the XL uh at the um uh Uh, arena in Pittsburgh Um, make sure to listen to their podcast uh, coming up this week the have a listen podcast they'll have something to say about that Uh, you mentioned Blaine Potvin him with Craig Wilson Matt Smith on uh, the Habs Unfiltered podcast and every Tuesday with uh, Amy Johnson who you mentioned her comment as well there's the from the press box it's all part of rocket sports radio and you can listen to every uh, episode at your convenience come to allhabs.net go to AHL.report or uh, go to your favorite podcast platform on iTunes, on Overcast, on Stitcher, on TuneIn Radio, and just search for Rocket Sports Radio, and you'll get the the Canadian's Connection, our podcast here, uh, and all the other um, uh, podcasts we have. Uh, And interacting with us on social media, we're always glad to hear from you.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. And uh, yeah, so as as you mentioned, interact with us on social media. Follow me at on Twitter at joeylan19. You can follow Rick at allhabs, and the podcast has its own Twitter account at habs connection. So keep those interactions pouring in because we really do want to hear from you. And uh, yeah, so with that said, I guess we'll uh, we'll call it a day, and we'll watch in and and tune in tonight where you mentioned Lewis and Gibby are going to be in Pittsburgh watching the Habs play the Penguins. We'll be right back with you next week at 1 p.m. Eastern. That's 2.30 Newfoundland time. And we're going to be discussing that game and everything else that's going to come out in the next week. So thank you for tuning in to Canadians Connection, and we'll hear from you again next week.
0: For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Connection and visit allhabs.net.